The year is 2020. You might have looked around at the world recently and asked yourself, how in the hell did we end up with so many Spider-Man movies? Friends, if this question has kept you up at night, you are not alone. Which is why in our newest episode of Magical Bonus Content, we finally answer, why Spider-Man? Visit patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual. Become an active participant in our ongoing ritual to create a slightly better reality. And tune into this special transmission on the strange mythology that connects Jesus Christ, Timothy Leary, and the amazing Spider-Man. In 30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension. Identical to the one you've left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard. told the world I was going to be a wizard, I knew it wouldn't work for everyone. There's always going to be doubters, haters, and non-believers, but I trusted that the magic would also find friends. The special people would hear about a wizard and say, fuck yes, universe, I want to meet that wizard. Ash Helvetius was one of the first. Shortly after I announced myself, Ash found me on Facebook through that strange stew of algorithm and synchronicity that suddenly brings someone new into your awareness and leads you both to the same conclusion that, hey, uh, we should probably hang out. Our first friend adventure involved rewatching Disney's The Sword in the Stone, during which we agreed that Ash would be the Madame Mim to my Merlin, but we'd skip dueling in favor of more standard friendship. I'm pretty sure she gifted me several vials of magical oils that night, as it's the rare encounter with Ash where you don't walk away with at least some manner of newly home-brewed alchemical treasure. While Ash's knowledge of alchemy, contemporary chemistry, and random fun plant facts is seemingly endless, what I've always admired is her ability to bring magic back into the mundane. Whether it's a freshly baked biscuit or a bar of soap, Ash's concoctions are edible, accessible, and inherently useful. Rather than treat alchemy as a topic to be pondered, it's a process to be practiced, one that results in tangible objects you can work with in your everyday life. My morning routine wouldn't be complete without dabbing on some of Ash's beard oil. From perfume to soap to baked goods to bitters to every manner of incense, essence, tincture, and spagyric, Ash is an endless apothecary of amazing artifacts, and I'm so thrilled to have her help us understand how to do alchemy. Hello, Ash. Hello, Devin. So exciting for me to welcome you to Ritual Space right now. I agree. <laughs> this has been brewing for a long time. It has, yeah. <laughs> and I'm so glad we're here and we're ready to pop the lid and just dive right in. Mm -hmm. What is our magic word going to be? Okay, I'm happy you asked that because the magic word I have in mind is my favorite word Great. In terms of just phonetic sounds and how happy the word makes me, both phonetically and in terms of its meaning. Are you ready? I am ready. The word is chips. Chips. 
Great. So on the count of three, audience, you're saying it with us. One, One two, two, three. three. Chips. Ooh. Mm, it's a happy word. That's like your, <laughs> what is it like? Um, is it Aldous Huxley said the best word was cellar door. Is that your cellar door? I mean, that one has more like poesy to it, but chips is like, it's just exciting. It's one syllable, like something fun is going to happen. It can mean sweet or savory or like broken pieces that might be exciting. I just love it. Chips. It's Bro- just fun to say. Broken so. pieces, sweet and savory, all the mm-hmm. wonderful things coming together in one. It's, it's big Taurus energy chips. Delicious mouthful. <laughs> oh yeah, this is a big Taurus energy podcast we got going right now. Mm-hmm. We're... Three days apart, birthday-wise? Yeah, yeah, something like that, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm the 28th. When are you? I'm 26th, yeah. 26th, two yeah. days. Well, welcome to the Big Taurus Hoedown, baby. Woo! Woo! Yeah, we're, we're the, you're going to go to the rodeo and the, the ox is going to run you. So. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, come on down. In a, for in our... a good way. <laughs> the, the crazy wizard and alchemist, Taurus Ox Rodeo. All right, this is going off the rails already. <laughs> that, that I love weird. it. weird, yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about alchemy because you are my friend and alchemist and (laughs) I love telling people, I know that a lot of people in their lives love telling people, Ooh, my friend, the wizard. And I love telling people, (laughs) Ooh, my friend, the alchemist. Like that's my version of it. You make my beard oil. Uh, you make soaps that I I don't use. I must (laughs) mention like this man buys it. In obscene quantities. I know. I reached out to you and I was like, I need a Costco sized <laughs> bottle. Yeah. He was like, don't even worry about the scent. Like, it's all about, I need an outrageous quantity of this stuff. The beard is enormous. So. I got I got I got to It's keep an it egregious beard. Luxurious. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious if we could uh, start at wherever the rambling start will get us. Mm-hmm. But um, how did you get into alchemy? How did that become uh, something um, of interest to you? Alchemy, like, always seemed to me, I came into it as, it seems like the perfect kind of combination of, like, a few different interests of mine, which were, like, plants and botany and herbalism, and also, like, failed scientist, chemist, pursuing things, and also, like, um, however that intersects with being a pastry chef that where I'm, I was working with a lot of flavorings and extracts and stuff. So you already had been interested in these other things and culinary stuff. And then this was something that you're like, Oh yeah. These like, all kind of fit into that. I, and, I mean, and also like I, I was always like, Oh, you know, like a weird kid. I read a lot of fantasy and stuff and was always like diving into like witchcraft and the occult early on. So like, obviously like the intersection of those things and that, like it always felt kind of natural even though it may not have like like come together like until later on but it was like it always made a lot of sense to me like plants have a flavor plants can be extracted a certain way like for a pastry plants mean this or that to whatever culture like occultly and then also like how to extract that what components of those plants you're extracting like it all came together really coolly with perfumery Mm -hmm. when did you get into perfumery when when did that start i think i got into perfumery like 
precisely like when I figured out it was all coming together like I think it was about five years ago it was when I first moved to New York and I I had moved out here and I was like a pastry chef and I didn't know anyone I just moved out here because I knew like one person kind of and found an apartment I didn't know what I was going to be doing out here and clearly like just finding pastry jobs wasn't working out for me because they were all paying like 50 cents over minimum wage and it sucked. And I was yeah. like, how am I supposed to pursue this? So I was like making weird pastry projects on my own in my house that increasingly involved weird herbs. I did this one. It was so weird, Devin. I made up this the, this hilarious dessert and I called it the bitter adult. I took... <laughs> um, I made my own puffed rice. I took rice, cooked it, dried it overnight in this, like, my poor roommates, they were just like, it was like basically a punk squat and I'm like dehydrating rice overnight in the apartment during the summer. It that was sounds like, par for the course. It was so hot. It was so yeah. hot. We didn't have an air conditioner. But like, so I, I like dehydrated the rice, puffed it myself, like a la carnival corn, you know, like it was sweet and salty. And then I showered that over this like, half dome of a panna cotta gelatin dessert I made purely out of like caramelized marshmallows so it tasted like a s'more and then it had a like molten core so when you sliced into it it would bleed red but the red color was from the the extracts from St. John's wort and Campari, which is bitter and red. So it bled red and it was bitter and medicated. And it was like inside, it was like so emo. It was like inside, it was like we're hiding ourselves in this shell of like carnival treats and toasted marshmallows and inside we're bitter poorly medicated adults but it was like i was trying to find more (laughs) ways to like apply like herbalism and flavors and like make that bigger than just making pastries and like apply like perfumes and scents and from there like you know i like i had my essential oils and extracts i was making my own extracts whatever and like the scents are clearly like it's, like, so much easier to bring someone a bottle of perfume as a gift than to bring them a dessert on a plate as a gift. So that's where it went. It was, like, I came to New York. It was so much harder to travel anywhere that it made more sense that if I wanted to, like, gift anyone anything to, like, make it more transportable. So that's I remember, where the perfume. I remember out. this from your, your soap-making <laughs> class. Yes, of, yes. Of uh, being, like, I like to give people gifts. It's hard to transport a, what was like your example, like a filet of salmon. A roasted filet of salmon. (laughs) A roasted filet of salmon (laughs) is a little hard to transport. And then you move up to like, well, I brought a cake and they're like, well, I don't know if I'm hungry or I eat sugar. But then it's like you bring someone a perfume and you're like, it's a tiny bottle. And they're like, oh, that's great. But maybe they don't like perfume. So the next step actually from the perfume is bringing them a soap. Because who in their right mind, if they aren't a monster, isn't someone that uses soap. Right, Devin? I have no idea who you're talking about. (laughs) I I love hot water. (laughs) Devin loves soap. But yeah, (laughs) soap is great. Yeah. And no, and that's I, another I, podcast. But I think that's such a great intersection because I think there's a lot of interest in the occult that can get very abstract. Mm-hmm. And I, I, what I've always appreciated about your practice is that it's this intersection of like hard skills, like cooking things and making things. Mm-hmm. And then it's from a generous perspective because you're like, oh, I want to like share the things that I make with the world, whether that's like gifting it unto a friend or vending it to somebody. But you're like, sharing it with people that's a very important part of it Mm -hmm. and then you get so 
creative with the themes. There's always that story <laughs> and that narrative behind it where it's you any one of your or products, I feel like I could ask you what's in it and you'll tell me one set of stories so about what's like the, deal, the ingredients in these like, things yeah. <laughs> and then I'll be like, but what's it about? And then that's a different story about like mm -hmm. bitter adult and the theme and why there's uh, there might be puns and why there's ink in the, why there's and, typewriter ink in the perfume yeah, you made for my yeah. fiance oh that one was good haiku yeah haiku yeah that was I a was great really set. proud of that one yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I made this great perfume for Devin his fiance that was called haiku and it smelled of typewriter ink it was minimalist and it was like mm, I was really proud of that one yeah so yeah so after you moved to New York and uh, did you kind of just fall head over heels into the perfuming no no. No, I mean, there was, I mean, this is boring, but there was, like, a hard, like, first year, nine months or so of, like, really trying to make it as a pastry chef, and, like, none of these guys are going to pay you what you're worth or, like, even give you paid lunch breaks or anything. So, like, yeah. there was that, and then it was, all, it was almost just, like, this moment of being fed up and, like, just being like, no, like all of this has always been perfumery to me. I'm just going to make perfumes. So, yeah, that's you, where that was. You move from the base matter to the refined essence. Oh, yeah. No, it's like, which is the essence of alchemy. It's the 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 elevation, the refinery of base matter. So, like, that's about where my life went. So, yeah. Yeah. And then where did that go from there? How did the well, when did you start calling yourself an alchemist? Because you were you were already you were <laughs> already throwing really that around when I, I met you. I had actually like been. This is so stupid. I'm sorry. I apologize. This isn't like enlightening in any way. But um, I had been calling myself an alchemist. That when you like pay your taxes online, they ask you what your what your occupation is. And ever since I first started paying my own taxes at 18 or whatever, I just was being a real jerk and would just enter alchemist. So I had been officially on tax records um, saying I was an alchemist since I was about 18. You but really talked that down and that was the best explanation I could have ever possibly <laughs> hoped for. You know, and it was like when I finally like my first move out here, everything was such a blur and I was finally like doing my taxes again. I was like 29. It was, you know, this was like 11 years after I first started doing that and they went and they were like, is your job still alchemist? And I was like, oh shit, it is. So, yeah. <laughs> Be careful. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so funny, those things that we, like, start as jokes and then it becomes... I did this to myself. ...becomes real. <laughs> yeah, if you're, yeah, I did this to myself as well. I remember at one point, uh, there was something that I had to fill out online and I filled it out because, like, you could select title. So it was like, Mr., Mrs., Ms., and then there was a bunch of other ones, and I was like, "Ooh, Grand Vizier!" Oh god! And so I, I selected. Why did they offer that? I selected Grand Vizier, <laughs> and then I was getting junk mail, junk mail as Grand Vizier for like the longest time. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Same. Yeah. When I get tired of this wizard thing, I know that there's another role open out there. You've got all those email offers. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, my <laughs> inbox is full. Of I haven't offers. gotten any fun email offers re Alchemist, but like you know. I don't know if I would want them, but like we'll see. My main job now, day job, I make I make ice cream, and I, I still find it extremely alchemical. I'm an ice creamist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, because I think you still and and then you also, but I mean, you also have a line of alchemy products. Which I mean, yeah, I don't just make ice cream. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My biggest thing. Is, yeah, I um, I I apply the alchemical like principles in my life to I make a bunch of natural perfumes, which natural has become a bit of a buzzword and a hashtag or something, but with um, 
natural perfume is actually like a whole it's a medium it's how we used to make perfume before we as a society were using synthetics and stuff which i have not a lot of qualms with synthetic perfumes i like a lot of them but i like the medium of natural perfumes because it's like painting with watercolors it's a Mm. lot harder to get like an ink note like we were talking about with typewriters um getting an ink note with natural ingredients random essential oils is like it takes you knowing those plants and understanding those plants and stuff like that like i like it as a medium it's not me talking down on synthetic perfumes and but synthetics would be like you just order them off the internet and you get a little vial of something that was made you in New can Jersey, but right? like the things you're getting will be like oh this is terrasol like that's one of the molecules you can order and it smells like witchy and earthy and like if i were to approximate that with natural ingredients natural with essential oil or extract ingredients it would be like oak moss a tiny bit of pine like some cypress like stuff like that and it would be like maybe more expensive for me to produce and stuff it's like it's harder to get to that stuff it's usually more expensive to approximate those notes and it's like sometimes less clear like there are synthetic ingredients you can order that smell like hot asphalt which i think is a bitchin note that's great but i don't know how i would do that with natural ingredients my main gripe is like i don't like people thinking like natural is inherently better it's like harder to or safer i know you've talked about that before yeah it's like there are certain i think i think synthetic and lab created perfumes have a lot of stuff going for them that's good especially considering like the carbon footprints and like how much land it takes to produce some natural ingredients but like also like where were we going with this? We're going wherever the road takes wherever us. Wherever we want to go. I um. We're just skipping. You can our way get different notes. It, it's more like impressionist painting and painting my watercolor when you're doing natural ingredients. You can get more precise, weird notes like old paper mm-hmm. or hot asphalt or rain on the ground. If you're doing it with like random synthetic notes, people have been able to create in a lab as opposed to trying to approximate it with random essential oils or extracts that you're flying in from like the middle East or like a, they've been extracted from like a hundred year old tree that like is being over tapped for oils and like blah, blah, blah. So what I'm saying is like, I love natural perfumery. I do what I can with it. I find it like extremely magical and I try to really respect my ingredients. But at the end of the day, do not ever take it upon yourself to think that it's like more superior or safer than synthetic perfumery, especially like some of these ingredients re safer. Some of these natural ingredients will burn your skin if they aren't diluted well enough. There's um a Crowley recipe for uh, abramelin oil that calls for like, well, gosh, what is it? There's like cinnamon oil in it and myrrh and a couple other things. And the whole point of his recipe is that it isn't diluted enough. So if you anoint yourself with it on the forehead or whatever, it will burn because cassia or cinnamon oil or whatever is like extremely caustic. It hurts your yeah. skin. So like the point of his recipe is that when you're putting it on your body, you feel the burn and that's supposed to be kind of a meditation aid. And I think that's as good a hint as any that essential oils aren't safe. Like, they will burn you. They're bad. You, like, you have to dilute them. They aren't inherently safe. Sorry, that was a rant. But, like, they're not inherently safe. 
this podcast is a so, rant safe place. This is a rant safe place. Thank you. And no, I I think that's a very fascinating thing because there is that kind of classic sort of like goop world of like, oh, we only want natural ingredients and like you got to get rid of the toxins and blah, blah, blah. There's and it's an like, episode um, of Breaking Bad where he makes poison out of castor beans. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, those are natural. There's another episode later on, spoiler alert, where he poisons a little boy with um, um, lily of the valley berries. Yeah. I don't think he even processes them. It's just the berries and the kid goes to the hospital like that's all natural. Like, oh, yeah. don't let natural fool you. So, like, like definitely. I mean, I've cut hot peppers and gotten spicy hands, and that's no fun. No, it's not fun for anyone or any part of your body. But, no. like, yeah, like, I, I've gotten food poisoning from a poorly washed glass someone poured wine into. Like, natural isn't good, necessarily. Yeah. Like, you still got to look out for yourself. Natural perfumery is a medium. It's not, like, licensed to run free. So now you were saying about um, with natural, then also comes the these have to come from somewhere. Like if you can just make them in out of petroleum in a factory in New Jersey, then you can kind of mass produce these specific scents by just manipulating the chemistry. But if you want to get that scent of oak, you have to have an oak tree and you have to do stuff to the oak tree. So you were saying something earlier about the essential oils and the harvesting. Yeah, like. Every plant yields a different amount of essential oil. And this ties into alchemy because every plant or mineral or animal substance um, can be broken down to the alchemical trio of, I'm, I have my own visual aid because I can't remember, sulfur, salt, and spirit. Like when you break it down, the salt is the bit that won't burn away. It's the earthly body. The spirit is the go-between. It's the alcohol that can ferment out or whatever. The sulfur, that's the essential oil part. That's the, um, the, the soul, the personality. That's the volatile bit. And not every plant has the same percentage per weight that will yield that. So like lavender has a high concentration of that sulfur, of that essential oil, but even it being the highest one, I think it takes something like 600 pounds of lavender plants to yield one pound of essential oil. And for, for your visual aid here, listeners at home, a pound of dried lavender, because the water does you nothing, you have to extract it from dry, a pound of dried lavender is the equivalent of an overstuffed pillowcase. So six, 600 of those is one pound of essential oil. And for you listening at home, a pound of essential oil is a canteen. It's like two beer bottles, basically. Yeah. Like it's that much. And the amounts you usually buy it in, which are like 30 milliliters, 15 milliliters, like those little bottles, that's like 30 pounds still for that. I, mean, I don't have the math right. I, I like in no, front but the of visual me. is compelling. But the visual is compelling. Like, and just imagine like the yardage, the acreage to produce that. Like, just the land and the water in farming regions that might need that water for other things. Like, that's what that takes to produce that amount of essential oil. And that's from a plant that has a high percentage of essential oil. There are other ones like lemon bomb that are like a tenth less than that. So they'll take like 
10 times more pillowcases of dried plants to produce that stuff like that and a lot of the more rare ones are like even more than that and like the visual aid i've been running with lately is like have you seen the dark crystal either the new one or the classic one good do you remember the machine they built to extract the essence from the gelflings oh yeah 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 Imagine them doing that for plants or the earth to extract just a few scant drops of an essential oil from the earth. Like, that's about where I am on this. I apologize. I um I know that this podcast might have been like a really good opportunity to tell you to buy natural products and essential oil based perfumes. But like, this is about where I am right now. Like, you shouldn't do this. <laughs> like, you're 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 abusing gelflings <laughs> you are a skexies yeah like, how many gelflings must you squeeze to get one bundle of sage basically um, i'm no, sorry Devin. No, yeah. no 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 apologies i think you're you're really onto something because like i remember when i was in late middle school early high school and like i was into punk culture and there was that like you mm-hmm. know some of my friends had that sneering like oh fuck you prep to like the people and i was like wait a minute we all go to the same mall. Yeah. Like, we all go to the same mall. The Abercrombie & Fitch is, like, just a few doors down from the Hot Topic. And it's not you're like... You're all paying the same rent. It's not like the Hot... <laughs> yeah, we're all paying the same <laughs> rent. the same building. And, uh, <laughs> and the, like, bondage pants at Hot Topic are still... They're probably producing the factory next They're to the coming factory. from overseas. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, too. A lot of these essential oils is a lot of them, like crystals, are sourced in, like, the Middle East and Africa and a lot of these countries that, like, I don't say third world, but, like, countries that were, like, extracting worth and resources from, you know? It's, like, all they can do is keep mining these crystals and growing these plants for us to extract and like how rude is it to like then take these products and distill them down to just drops and drops like uh. well so. that's that's one of the things that i really um have constantly admired about your work and have been inspired you know with some of my fermentation projects and things like also, that i'm sorry again i didn't mean to go off on this rant but yes thank you go oh no no no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I promise to not do this but yeah <laughs> I knew that you were going to do two things when you came onto my podcast. You were going to rant and you were going to apologize. And maybe drink. So uh, way to check both those boxes. Um, No, but I think one of the things that I've been realizing more and more is that the new age occult culture is very consumer oriented. We don't Mm -hmm. have a lot of churches or temples or places where we can gather freely. We have a lot of stores where we can buy Oracle decks and crystals. It's like fast fashion. It's like H&M, a lot Mm -hmm. of this stuff. And then uh, maybe we can pay to take a workshop. But like, if you're not paying, you're really not, that able to hang out in the space Mm -hmm. like even you know for all it's no one's fault if you don't know this like no one knows this is my gripe like Mm -hmm. i see a lot of people shaming people for not knowing this but like it's not your fault if you don't know it like there's a lot of research to be done and yeah and so i think that's one of the things that is is hard with like the the amount of greenwashing things that go on it's like you can have the raw cane sugar and millet cookie that's organic and all of that next to the Oreo, but they're both in a package. They're both on the same shelf. Mm -hmm. And they're both in some sense, even though you're going to have to buy the ingredients, I think they're sort of categorically different than the cookie that you made yourself. Mm -hmm. Even if you made a sugar cookie. Yeah. Like there's still a different process that you engaged in when you're like, 
I made a sugar cookie and I put it in a Tupperware and I put it in my kid's lunch. That's um, one of my favorite things about the ice cream place I work for is like my boss actually works really hard to like eliminate middle persons and like buy ingredients directly. They're like globally sourced in quotes but like she works really hard to eliminate like the person in the middle that's dictating the prices from the producers and stuff and like nobody loves a middleman no yeah middle person middle person (laughs) i don't know what the gender free word for the middle person sounds awkward but yeah you get it like if they're good they can be a middle person but generally i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with the term middleman i'm I'm gonna diss you by calling you a middleman yeah exactly (laughs) but yeah so with alchemy and with mm-hmm. this idea of elevation, um, how has that led you to, like, how do you experiment and explore with those ideas? Like, you, you're, you're constantly making such interesting stuff. Oh, yeah. where, uh, where do you find the inspiration, I guess, is what I'm... I mean, the inspiration is, like, always the natural world and just plants, like, you here at home listening, you don't know where we're sitting, but I'm living in a beautiful apartment that my boyfriend has set up that's just, like, there's, like... Uh, 200 plants and planted tanks and like blah blah there's blah. like three huge like i'm so at home here away. i just like ever since like middle school i've i've loved plants and the natural world and botany and stuff and like just learning about plants and has been such an inspiration especially later on in life learning about like the metaphysical associations of plants and like what they can do for you if you're like focusing your intentions and whatnot and like how important they are to different cultures and that was the big thing that got me into perfumery and stuff and that's where I'm sitting now and that's the big inspiration like I'll just learn about a new plant and be like oh wow where's that from and I'll google it and see where it's from and look up like historical anecdotes about its usage and stuff and if it's an edible plant I'll get excited and maybe plan a dinner party around it and stuff like that because I am a chef and yeah, just it's all plants. It's all plants. It's plants all the way down. Plants are my whole life. Plants rule everything around me. So. And you have such good facts about plants. I remember the uh, Catherine de Medici dinner party that I came to. <laughs> that and was my I, favorite one. I, I never <laughs> knew, like when you go to a, a, any restaurant in Brooklyn that has uh, brunch, which is all of them, uh, and they all have like four different kinds of eggs benedict, and there's like... Uh, the Florentine it's kind. It's never even a good Holland. And I never, <laughs> <laughs> I never knew that the Florentine story came from. Medici. Yeah, no, it is. It's um. So like, I did this whole dinner party that Devin came to. Um. Yeah, just plants are awesome, and the way we eat plants are awesome, and the way we use plants as Tell medicine is awesome. I'm getting to okay. it. I was trying to editorialize. But, um, so Catherine de' Medici married, uh, was an Italian royal that married into the French royal family, and at that time, it was like, what, the early 1500s, like 1400s, um, the Italians obviously, like, Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492, whatever. Um, the Italians had really been, like, on one of the forefronts of exploring the <coughs> new world, whatever. <laughs> and um, there were a lot of ingredients out there they didn't have in Europe yet, like, namely nightshades, like tomatoes and potatoes and peppers and, and 
um, even spinach. I don't think spinach was a New World thing, but I think it was an Italian thing. But her marrying into the French royal family was like an enormous boon for European cookery. Like the French were still doing a lot of really medieval stuff, like just drenching stuff in salt and weird spices and god knows what and like when she married just in punching the chicken into a, a crock punching pot. like torturing small birds who the hell yeah. knows but when she married in she brought her team at cooks and they were like bitches we got spinach and peppers and like have you heard of turkeys it's like this weird new world bird it's like a chicken but less tasty and bigger <laughs> and like <laughs> peppers and eggplants and potatoes and tomatoes like imagine like tomatoes and potatoes are actually from the new world we associate those with being like really spanish or italian or with potatoes with being really like irish but like they aren't they aren't they are really recent they're from the new world and they are brought over via the colombian exchange like all that terrible colombian colonialism stuff with the Italians and she brought that to French cooking that you know all the fancy French chefs were like being douchey misogynist assholes about and uh so yeah I did this dinner party based on that and there was like a course based on like fava beans and artichokes because Catherine de' Medici was said to Okay, so actually, like, when she married over there, like, the French were not ready. And they came up with the wildest stories, like, disparaging her. Like, she's a witch. She has an alchemist on hire that's poisoning everyone, which may have been true because people came to her court and put on a gift of perfumed gloves and died instantly. But, like... I mean, I highly recommend having an alchemist on hire. I'm a big fan. I'm your alchemist (laughs) on hire. But, like, um, there was, like, stories about her riding through the countryside on chariots with her entourage, Randy on artichokes. Like, they, they were, like, distrustful of artichokes, even. So, like, I had a course based on, like, fava beans and artichokes. I had a course based on, like, potatoes and sausage and tomatoes like it was a great dinner party it was cool but like yeah you should look up like it it was an entertaining junction just culinarily if not like colonizationally it's a history lesson that you can eat which i think is is really yeah again well that's what i do with the dinner parties it's like give me a menu give me a historical date and i'll like make a menu out of it but i think we do that with a lot of like a lot of stuff like i mean like every one of your soaps or your bitters i think also tends to have some sort of theme oh, or the exploration bitters. that goes into it our, our first two bitters aaron and i made aaron's my boyfriend and he is very handsome our first two bitters we made were um the Nine Herbs Tonic and The Loathsome Foe. And those are two based on the Nine Herbs Charm, which is our earliest Western recorded recipe of a treatment of infection. So um, it's like there are nine herbs listed in it. It's also just linguistically really interesting because it's like the influx of like... I don't have my notes. I'm really sorry. But like, it's like Anglo-Saxon. It's like a big to do. But um, the the words are good. There's an incantation for each of the nine herbs. And, um, each of them ends in 
to guard against the loathsome foe who walks across the land. So there, and um, the beauty of it is that actually all of those nine herbs do like herbalistically work to fight infection, like chamomile, nettle, plantain, like they all actually are excellent, like surface cures for like poultice kind of their poultices like they're yeah. great they will draw out poison and then so to fight against the loathsome foe i was like what's the opposite of green and bitter it's like oh it's red and sweet so loathsome so there's the nine herbs tonic bitters and then the the um loathsome foe counterpart to that is a bitter grenadine it's sweet and red as opposed oh. to green and bitter and it's um because the loathsome foe they refer to is the devil. Clearly, um, I tried to make it very underworld. Persephonic was the word we came up with. So it's Persephonic. Um, Persephonic. It's what a is- grenadine. It's 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 like Persephone. Ah, ah gotcha. So Persephonic. Yeah. It's um it's a grenadine, which is pomegranate. Yeah. Spiked with cardamom, which is you know, gynic. Mm-hmm. I'm making a gesture towards my vagina when I say gynec. Yeah. And, then, and um, yeah, and rose, which is also yeah, femi. We've all, we've all seen a George O'Keefe painting. We all know George O'Keefe. But yeah, yeah those were our first two bitters we made. Everything else kind of came from there. So, so fascinating. Thank I love, you. I, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for bearing with me. Yes. Because <laughs> I think what's really interesting there is like, there's on the one hand, there is so much that our forebearers knew about and got right that like you know they're yeah. like no like hey, every these... ing- every herb in that recipe actually fights infection yeah when i first moved out here i had a horrendous tooth and gum infection and i found that recipe and followed it and made a tincture of it and it like totally died it down for a good two years it's back now i'm doing my best that was me sidebar handing yeah. it's i'm doing my best but like it's like all of those herbs are good and they work as a poultice and they will draw out infection and you should look it up because the incantations are fucking tight but like yeah like it's our like there are other recipes for treat treatment of infection from like further east or the middle east that are like probably better but this was our earliest western recorded recipe for this stuff and on paper it's great even though they're telling you boil it in an egg and old soap you're like i don't know if that makes sense but all the all the herbs make sense well i think i think that's what i was just thinking about is like there's really valuable stuff and i think a lot of this old lore and a lot of these old folk treatments Mm -hmm. but then i think there's this sort of modern rejection of western medicine and science that is like oh the old ways are all good anything that's natural is good and it's safe and it's like healthy and that's a very dangerous idea and i think it's really um uh excellent the way that you kind of weave this way between the two of like here's something really interesting that we used to do and here's the science that we now have that explains Thank why you. this actually does work yeah and these two can like the the red and white and the alchemical marriage like we can bring them together mm-hmm. and have this understanding that doesn't say people used to be dumb and they like rubbed grass on themselves and what idiots we've evolved so much better pass me the ibuprofen and it doesn't say 
all Western science is bad. And Eating grass is good. Yeah, I'm not going to... This peer-reviewed study that Getting is like... sick is good. ...has demonstrated this. I don't believe in that. Oh, my friend said that they licked this wall and it cured their gout. I'm going to go do that. Snozzberries taste like snozzberries. <laughs> no, I... Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of my hashtag brand is like... I do do my best to kind of like try to break down stuff like scientifically. I have a lot of books. If anyone wants to like message the podcast and me I can give you a list of sources but like I um I've done like a lot of herbalism training but like I do respect the idea of like forming a relationship with the herbs and with the plants but I will always always try to like found that with like scientific biological stuff and like try to break down the ingredients in the plants so like that's where I am well, from where you are right now, let's dive into mm-hmm. the spell that we're going to create for a our spell. listeners yes. so they can they can bring some of this alchemy into their own lives. I'm ready, Devin. So what's what's the first step that someone, if, if, if someone came up to you after you were doing a soap workshop and they're like, hello, Ash, I'm so excited by everything you said. How can I be an alchemist? What is the, what is the first step that someone could do to earn their junior alchemy merit badge? I would say you find a plant that grows near you and form a relationship with it. It can grow outside or in your house. Mm, okay. You need to know the plants. Find a plant that you can like learn about and recognize. Yeah, I want go. you to like get to know this plant and then also like Google or whatever its name and see if it has properties. Like you need to do both of those. Oh, I like that. You need to do both of those. You can't do one or the other. I think you need to do both to be responsible. To like to to Google it and then also to what what's like this? form your relationship with it. Sit down, talk to the plant, and like make friends with the plant. But you also have to Google it and find out if it's poisonous. You have to find out what it's good for, if it's good for anything. Like you have to do both to be responsible to your community and knowing this plant. Like that's what you have to do. I love it. Get your plant power and your make good, a plant friend. Make a plant friend and learn about it. Yeah, like like a regular good friend where you you learn about them and you and then you Google them, them and see yeah. what they've done. You yeah. Google them and see what they've done. <laughs> That's Beautiful. just a responsible thing to do. Yeah. And then I think from there people can then figure out if they found a plant that they they can then make something out of and learn. But because everyone's going to find different plants, I think yeah, that's, that's, there's we've... so many plants. They're all good. Yeah. Yeah. Except I, the... I haven't met a bad plant. Yeah, I met a bad person. I've met a lot of bad persons, and maybe if they met a good plant, they wouldn't be shitty people. Or if they so. met a bad plant, it might, you know, just maybe solve, if that, they met solve a bad that person. Plant, maybe if they met a bad plant, they would learn a lesson and now be a good person. All right. Don't poison anybody with castor beans, but learn about the plants. It actually takes a lot of refining to poison someone with a castor bean. I just want everyone to know that. Well, whether it's easy or hard for all yeah. the listeners at home. Like you'd probably poison not your yourself spell. before you poisoned them if you don't know what you're doing. I'm just That's saying, a warning that I so. like. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ash. I love you. Love you too. I believe in you. Your magic is real. For more of Ash's work, you can pick up one of the many products we've mentioned, plus dozens more at etsy.com slash shop slash Ash Alchemical. That's Ash, A-S-C, alchemical and for more of the audio alchemy that is this podcast is a ritual visit patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual where you can transform four dollars and twenty cents into access to an expanding archive of bonus content 
and the heartwarming good feelings that come from being an active participant in a ritual that's slowly but surely leading us all towards a slightly better reality. Until next time, I'm your wizard Devin Person saying, I believe in you. Your magic is real. Thank you.